to Unbreakable Latina. I hope everyone had a great weekend. If you're listening to this on Monday, I hope your week is amazing. Um, last week I recorded and I told you guys that I didn't feel so hot that I couldn't really eat because I wasn't feeling good. Well, I ended up getting hit with like the stomach flu after my trip to Mexico. So I called off for like three days because I, I was a, I had a little COVID scare. I was like, oh my God, is it COVID? Because, you know, similar symptoms. And thankfully it wasn't COVID. It was just a stomach flu. I have heard it's going around. A lot of people also told me that every time you go to Mexico, you get sick. I didn't believe that, but I guess you do. So next time I go to Mexico, I'll take a couple of days off. But I honestly don't think it's Mexico. I really think that at the airport, we probably... My sister, my mom, and I all got sick. So first it was my mom, then it was me, and then my sister's like, I'm fine. And then like a day later, she's like, oh, I don't feel good either. But right away, I got the COVID test. I got antibiotics from the doctor, and by Thursday, I was feeling better. And by Friday, I was finally able to eat because for the other days, like, nomas pura sopas de marrochan and like saltine crackers... And honestly, I just felt like everything was making me nauseous, so I didn't eat. And I, I hope everyone's healthy. And so on Thursday, I finally went back to work and I felt so out of place. I, I still like, I think to this today it was probably the first day that I felt kind of back to normal in regards to like being back home and like getting into my routine like, I, I hope that I'm able to make it to the gym tomorrow because I feel so, like, blah, if that makes sense. I just don't feel like my usual self. I've been really tired, but also enjoying the fact that i just been resting. I did sleep a lot when I was sick, so that's good. I caught up on my sleep. But hopefully this week's better. Um, today, I, it's Easter Sunday, so my brother invited us to go to brunch, so we met him at um went to San Juan Capistrano this really cute restaurant and um it was all you can eat brunch with champagne I didn't have any champs because it always gives me a headache so I just had a margarita and it was delicious and they were playing mariachi and estaba todo bien bonito y then we came home and I just been like chilling on the couch and I made a couple tiktoks because I haven't really been active on tiktok but um, I was just hanging out there and then I was thinking to myself, like, I need to record this podcast. And I've been contemplating. I have like like three topics that I wanted to talk about. And I think in order to talk about those topics, I need to cover this topic that I've been putting off because it's a topic that's um, hard for me to record and... I'm pretty sure, trigger warning, she's going to cry for sure. Like, if if I don't, like, whoa, but I'm probably going to cry. Uh, someone asked me to do an episode on mourning. And I don't really, like, although, like I had said before, I have lost a lot of um, family members in the recent years, but I don't think I've been able to properly mourn them. And I don't have, like, first-hand experience in mourning, like, 
although they were close family members, I feel like se siente como si nunca pasó. Like it, it feels like it never happened. Like, and I I hate to say that because it did happen, and I just think that my life was so chaotic before that I didn't have a chance to mourn. But I I do know what it's like to mourn someone that's still alive. So, what's got me thinking that I should do this topic about mourning someone who's alive is this um tiktok that i heard this audio let me play it for you guys people keep telling me she is your mother he is your father you only get one but what about me yo soy su hija porque el mundo se aferra a decirme que en esta vida tan solo hay una madre y un padre did anyone ever tell my parents they would only get one of me so for the non-spanish speaking um listeners uh basically i mean I, I i know you understood half of it but what what this audio is saying is that this girl people keep telling her there's only one father and one mother in life and did any why does everybody keep on telling them that you only have one father or one mother in life like did someone else did someone tell your parents that they only have one of you and this audio really hit home because, I mean, you guys know I have a wonderful relationship with my mom, but my dad, I don't have a relationship with my dad. So this is my experience in mourning someone who's still alive. So if you have listened to my previous episodes, um, you know a little bit about my background. And um, I had my dad in my life for about 20 something years. Growing up, um, I was super close to my dad. I was a daddy's girl and era un chicle, like I would always want to go wherever he was at. I was spoiled. Um and by spoiled I mean anything I wanted, like doll, like my dad would get it for me, even though my mom would say no. And my dad was a hardworking guy. He wasn't uh like hands on dad. Like, he wouldn't play catch with us or just, um, he was a typical Hispanic man. Like, the old school. Que él iba a trabajar, like, he would go work and he would provide a roof over our head. He would provide food on the table. And my dad was also able to provide for us, like, extra stuff like toys and video games and things like that. And that's how he showed his love. My dad was never patient. He was always, like very an impatient person but for me that was normal because that's all I knew and I thought all dads were like that and growing up I started seeing like you know friends dad being hands-on being at the school and for me my mom was always there even though they were married like my mom was always at my awards because my dad had to work. It was always like, oh, tiene que ir a trabajar tu papá. Like, your dad has to go to work. That's why he's not here. And, and my dad was, like, really funny. And him and I, that's how we bonded. Like, we would make fun of my mom together. Or he would tell chistes. And that's how he would show his affection by being funny. Um, But, like I said, he was impatient. And he didn't really show his love. And when I would ask him, like, or like stuff like that he'd be like oh es que yo así soy ya sabes como soy like that's how i am and he's like that's how i was raised and i'm like no because like my aunts his sisters and his brothers very like 
like they would hug each other all the time and even my 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 aunts would be like my dad he's like really light-skinned so they call him güero and my my tias would be like güero porque no me das un abrazo bien like why don't you give me a good hug and my dad was like oh like that's how i am like that's just what he would say but my dad grew up in a big family there was like i believe 15 of them so he was one of the younger ones and i feel like either my dad was just like not affectionate or maybe he lacked affection because he was one of the last ones but i don't know i don't know so i always try to understand i always try to think of reasons why he was the way he was he also came here when um he was very young he was like 14 15 he came with his brother who passed away and in a tragic accident and i think that was very hard for him to navigate as a freaking teenager so i always tried to like understand why he was the way he was but i love my dad and i still love my dad and i always love my dad so that's a little background of who my dad was and he was a great dad like i said he provided he just didn't know how to show affection and the way he did was by providing and you know just being there with what he knew and like i said for me that was enough because that's all i knew so fast forward to me um being in high school and throughout my high school years my dad was um going through a gambling addiction and it all started when um like everything like i i saw it because i would be like why did my dad keep going to the casino like so personally, I freaking hate casinos and I'll still go, but I just feel like so many people lose their lives to like this gambling addiction and it just brings so much sadness, so much chaos to a family and it's a bad addiction and it's not recognized enough. And my dad ended up losing his job because he was gambling and he also failed a drug test. And I remember specifically, like, I don't remember a lot from my childhood because, like I said, I've been through a lot. This is just one of my major traumas. But um, my dad had a gambling addiction. He would stay up all night. So, therefore, he started with the drug addiction. When he told us, my mom, my sister, and I, that he lost his job, the first thing I said, well, what did you do? Like, they set you up. And my dad was like, yeah, yeah, they set me up. They they just been wanting to fire me, like acting like a victim. And I was like, dad, like you have to do something, like get a lawyer. Like I was just like, no way. You've been at this company for years. And he's like, yeah, they've been drug testing me often and I don't understand. And for me, like my dad, he drank. Um, He had a gambling addiction, but a drug addiction, like never, never in a million years I would think about that. And I remember that my dad was like, you have to go with me because I, my English is not that great. And you'd have to talk to my boss and tell him that the reason that I failed the drug test is probably my diabetes medicine. So there I go. I take the day off of school. My dad and I drive to LA from the IE. And I'm telling like, and they're like, no, we don't want to talk to you. Like you're a child. <laughs> and my dad's like, tell him, tell him. And I was just like, oh, is my dad saying he's because of diabetes? diabetes medicine they're like it wasn't his diabetes medicine i'm sorry sweetie it wasn't that so then my dad's like no we had to go to the doctor and then we go to the doctor and the doctor's like let's be honest and stop dragging your children into this and 
I'm sitting there with my dad and the doctor and the doctor's like, you have an addiction and you have to recognize it. And this is not your diabetes medicine. And then like, finally, I think he gave up and I was just like, wait, what? Like my dad has a drug addiction. And I was like, well, maybe he just smoked a little weed, which for me, that's not a huge thing. And when I found out that my dad was doing cocaine, I was like, whoa, cocaine? My dad's a drug addict. Like that. And also like, I have to make another podcast about that. But like growing up, I was around a lot of drug addicts and I didn't expect my dad to be one of them. Okay, had to take a little small break. This episode is probably the hardest episode of all the episodes I've done. But um, I didn't expect my dad to be one of them because drugs have been around in my family, which I'm sure they've been around a lot of families. But in my family, it's affected our family so much. Um, A lot of hurt, a lot of sadness, and a lot of problems. I didn't expect my dad to be added to the to those problems. And then I thought, oh, like everybody makes mistakes, but I'm like a teenager trying to figure out high school, trying to figure out college and he lost his job, but thankfully he got his 401k and like he was going to get a new job and everything was going to be fine. Everybody makes mistakes. The years went by. My dad didn't want to go to work. He kept gambling his money and staying up all night. But I didn't think he was still addicted to drugs. I thought he had like a fun night and did a little coke. I didn't know too much about specific drugs. I was always a good kid. Um, Drugs were so bad to me that I was just like, stay away from anybody that does drugs. And anybody that does drugs is a criminal. And that's just because of the traumas that I have from my childhood of being around drug addicts. As the years went by, this happened when I was around 17. It didn't, it kept going and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I would beg and I would plead to my dad, please, dad, go to rehab. Like, please, I want you to get better. I miss you. And he was just angry. And if you've gone through this, I'm sorry. I send a hug. I know how much it hurts. It's probably one of the worst things you go through to watch someone destroy their life with drugs. And I'm so passionate about talking about this because although it's hard for me, I felt so lonely. I felt alone when I went through all this. I'm still going through it. Um, I was embarrassed. I never told any of my friends because I didn't want them to seem like I always wanted to protect my dad. For a long time, we protected him, my siblings, my mom, and I. We didn't want anyone to know because we had hoped that he was going to get better. But things just kept getting worse and worse. And he was out of control. Um, He would just blow all his money. He would still work and blow all his money. He wasn't giving us money for anything. He wanted us to, like, to give him money to borrow so he could get high. 
And having a drug addict in your family is draining. Not only is it draining to see them just lose their life to a substance, it's hard because you think of all the good times with them and you think like they weren't always like this, they can get better. But once a person is so far gone, it's very, very hard to make them come back. And I tried for about, let's see, I was 17, 27, about 10 years. It was a constant battle for 10 years of me begging my dad, my mom, begging him to, all of us, protecting him, um, not wanting anyone to find out. If they asked where my dad was, he was at work. Uh, but if people noticed. I know people knew. Until probably when I was out of college, I have had enough. I had enough. I was sick of it. I was tired of it. I was tired of uh, just covering up for him. And finally, I was just like... You need to get it together or else I'm not going to be in your life anymore. And he would be like, well, then don't be in my life anymore. And that was like the hardest thing ever to hear my dad say that he'd rather have drugs than to have his family. And it was not like one time that I asked him that. It was like multiple times. I would beg, I would cry, I would say, don't you ever want to see your grandkids? What if I get married? Like, you don't want to be a part of a life. Like, you don't want to walk me down the aisle. Like, I would just put into perspective. And after going to therapy and um, just growing older, and my mom finally was ready to leave my dad, and they split up. They sold their house and they both went their own way. And I haven't seen my dad probably in four years. Audio that I showed you guys earlier, it really got to me. Because people always tell me that. And I don't go deep into why I don't talk to my dad. I just say I don't have a relationship with my dad anymore. And some people just keep picking and picking at it. And finally, I say, I don't have a relationship with my dad anymore because he chose drugs over me. And then they're like, whoa, it's hard to deal with a drug addict. You don't know what it's like until you have to deal with it. You shouldn't be so judgmental because I understand. And only people that go through it that I know that have gone through this um, understand me. (laughs) I had people tell me, oh, pero es tu padre. Yes, he's my father, but I am his daughter. What about me? Like, they don't know what I've been through. They don't know how many nights I stayed up crying, how many times I begged him to change. They don't know all that. They only see that you're a bad person because, oh, he's your father. Like, how dare you? How dare you? He brought you into this world. How dare he choose drugs over me? He brought me into this world. He decided he wanted to have a child. I didn't choose to be here. And it's been very hard to 
deal with that. Um, I've stopped talking to a lot of family members because they were like, oh, how dare you, like, abandon your father, um, trying to guilt trip me. Uh, oh, your dad's doing bad. I know. I know he is. And when I told you guys that he was doing bad, nobody came to help. And they don't ask how I'm doing. Um, they only ask, why don't you talk to him? Um, none of my siblings talk to him. And it's hard. It's hard. Um, and I've, I've gone to therapy and I'm allowed to cry and I'm allowed to mourn. And you're never going to stop mourning. And I always think of the day that I'm going to get that phone call that he's gone, gone from the earth. And I think about how am I going to feel? And is it going to feel the same? Is it going to feel worse? I don't know. I have like this slight hope that he gets clean and we have a relationship. But I don't think realistically that's going to happen. Um, I that If that happened, great. I'd be so happy if it doesn't. I've, upset, I've accepted that. And I read this quote. Let me read it to you guys. It says, Mourning for a living person is more tragic than grieving for the dead. Someone you love is waking up and going to bed every day, actively choosing not to be in your life. Now that is painful to face and even more difficult to make peace with. Mourning is a process. Um, for this particular episode, I'm mourning someone who's still alive. So if you are also mourning someone who's still alive, um, just remember that the present doesn't override the past. This can be easier said than done, but it's important to remember the person you once loved is now someone different and they're not the same person that they used to be. And you have to understand that the illness isn't the person for me. My dad's addiction, he's not... Like, I'm mourning the dad that I used to have um, because I'll never have that dad again. And that's hard to accept. You have to acknowledge that you are going through grief and you have to acknowledge the pain of loss. Society doesn't always recognize this as a type of grief, but it is. It's important to recognize that this is a loss because it's a huge loss in your life. You have to be open to have a new type of relationship. If that person comes around and they've changed, you're going to have maybe, hopefully, a new relationship. It's not going to be how it used to be. And more importantly is connect with other people that can relate. So for me, I've met a couple people that have gone through this um, with moms, dads, siblings and connecting with these people helps you not feel alone i hope that this episode didn't make you cry like it made me cry the whole time but i feel like i needed to talk about this in order to understand my story and to understand the subjects that i want to talk about because this is just a glimpse of what happened there's a lot that happened in between there's a lot that i went through and my whole family did and i feel better talking about it accepting what happened and being honest about it and being there for someone who also is going through the same thing. And there's, I've been to like, not Alcoholic Anonymous, but there's another one for like drug addicts. I've, I've gone to those groups. They help. Um, sometimes you think 
you're going through something bad. People are going through worse things. Um, but it helps you relate because, like I said, it's hard to open up to people because they're so judgmental. Or man, hablar de ti. They're gonna tell the whole pueblo about you and about what your family's going through, and no one's ever gonna get it. But I get it. So if you are going through this or you've been through this and you want to connect with me, feel free to DM me. Let's be there for each other. It's something that I constantly think about. I even think like, what if I run into him? Like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to act? Does he think about me? Did he know my birthday just passed? Like, he has my number. I don't live in the same place, but... He could find my number if he really wanted to, if he really wanted to be in my life. But I did tell him that I didn't want him in my life unless he was sober. So obviously, he is not sober. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It wasn't a happy one. And it's a very emotional one for me. And I didn't do this so people could feel sorry for me. I did this so if someone's going through this, you don't feel alone. Um... A lot of people go through this. It's just not talked about enough. Uh, it's hard to switch back from this like sad episode to being happy. Um, I feel this was very therapeutic for me. I talk about it with friends that are, have gone through the same thing. And if you need therapy, you should go to therapy. Therapy helped me so much because my therapist was like, you can't change your dad. And for so long, I was trying to change him. And when... The only person that can change is them themselves. And that's a hard pill to swallow because you want to save them so bad. But you can't because that's their choice. And when you keep trying to save someone like that, you end up losing yourself. And I know my siblings and I and my mom, we lost ourselves for a long time. And we finally have gained our lives back. And although it's sad... But we accept what it is and you move on and you try to make the best out of your life. And uh, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like I said, it was not an easy one to record, but it has to be talked about. And I hope you have a wonderful week. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Follow me at Unbreakable Latina on Instagram and TikTok and have a great week and I promise next week's going to be a lighter episode. <laughs> I like to, you know, throw it in there, a little a little, uh, little trauma here and there. That's what I do. <laughs> Here's my um, dark humor coming in. Have a great one, guys. Thank you guys for your support. Love you guys.